0: Welcome to the Beat Around the Bench podcast, a podcast about woodworking, good times, and general jackassery, with your hosts, Jess of Jess Build It, Colton of Colt Crit, and Ross of RNC Woodworking and Design. You can find us all on Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok, now for episode two and a half The Smell of Fear.
1: What's going on?
0: Hey, boys. Dude, the smell of fear.
1: The smell of fear. It's not the <laughs> smell of stinky
0: fartwood. Dusty farts, yeah. Uh, no, I actually I took that from the Naked Gun two and a half episode, or I guess movie.
2: Nice. I did. Oh.
1: There used to be a, a a wood like a lumber mill close to my first shop when I first moved here. It's called Axley Brothers, and they had cypress. That's all they dealt with. Was cypress.
0: Was it up and on a hill? It was. Was it a Cypress Hill?
1: No, it wasn't Cypress on oh. Cypress Hill. But it was all green. Okay, very green. And this is before. So it was really, Cypress
0: Hill. It,
1: it was it was actually in a valley. If you really want to think about it, it's pretty cool because they had they had mounds of sawdust wood chips, sixty feet high, and they sold them all because Cypress. You know, bugs don't eat Cypress and stuff, so people used it as mulch, and they yeah. would sell it to companies that would dry and all. But <clears throat> I don't know why I was telling you this. Oh, when you cut cypress, it smells disgusting. It smells like dirty swamp water when it's green.
2: Yeah, really, I, dude. Yeah, I
1: really. Absolutely, so, it's in a swamp.
2: So what? It's I, the water I, that's in it. That conference table I made last year was with the uh, that sunken cypress, and it had a very pecky? distinct smell in it. What pecky pecky cypress? Oh, you're, you're passing me on that. A, it's full of holes?
0: Uh, it had some holes. Um, like the Swiss cheese, yeah? Like yeah, No, uh, not, not, not,
2: not like Swiss cheese, no. Oh, but I, I, it was a 13-foot slab, and uh, I made it into a 10-foot waterfall table. Yeah. And used a of a posse. Learned some very hard lessons. But, yeah, when I was cutting it, it the sawdust in the middle was like super dark and it, it had a very distinct smell. Yeah. I I thought it was cause it was so old. They estimated it was like hundred, 120 years old. And I've been un- under the water <clears throat> for that long. And yeah, it, it was, it was distinct. I, I figured it was just cause it's underwater, but I guess, yeah. It, is that cypress in general? I haven't worked with cypress. I don't know.
1: I mean, it, it stinks. It smells like,
2: under rotten, the sea,
1: rotten water, <laughs> awful rotten water. And <clears throat> I used to think that pecky was the underwater stuff, but evidently pecky happens to anything because there's pecky cedar, there's pecky cypress, and I guess something gets in it like a fungus or it gets a virus or something, and it creates these holes, which normally would be garbage wood, but of course we sell it to other people, tell them it's you know fancy like spalted maple, which is basically maple that's about to rot and has a fungus in it. Correct. <clears throat> right. So. <clears throat> that's that's all I know. Fancy. About it.
2: Man, yeah, Jess, I, I wish I knew a third of the the wood species knowledge that, you know. <clears throat> I yeah. don't
1: have a lot, you know, I don't. I really don't. Bullshit. Like I've never I've never made anything out of ipe. I've always wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um I've repaired a bunch of furniture because we used to get boat furniture. Um we called it boat furniture. So basically they would take these boats from Bali that were made out of teak and they called it ironwood, which was some version of that. And they would make boats, and that's how, like, kids would get to school, and, like, everybody in these particular areas in Bali would get around, they painted paint them with these big, bright colors. Well, the boats would rot or go bad, and there was just fields of these boats. And these companies finally started buying them, cutting them up, and turning them into furniture and leaving the paint. they leave the paint. And you can actually um, – I think it's called boat, boat something – and you can buy it. It, it. They ship it all to California, and then that guy either sells the wood or they make furniture and all kind of different stuff like that. It's very, very expensive. And I had to fix a lot of it because the joinery, These you can tell these poor guys are doing the joinery with, like, chisels and saws. They're not – I don't know where they're actually doing the work at. But I have seen some guys on Facebook from Bali, and they were using that same wood, so it's pretty popular over there. So they use teak like yeah. we use, like, pine.
0: Yeah, it oh, grows shit. natural over there. Yeah, unlike what we we were uh,
2: on our honeymoon over in Belize, uh, we passed by some markets, you know, there's like some guys who were like hand carving a bunch of wood stuff and a lot of it's like little, little like figurines and stuff like that. But um, I ended up talking to one of them and I I got his WhatsApp number. Uh, I never followed up on it, but I was gonna be CNC. I was with my CNC, cut out some stuff and send it to them to sell. And uh, but they use a bunch of ironwood over there, at least what they call ironwood. Um, I should have I, I should have bought something just so we could see what it actually was. But, but yeah, that's all I know about ironwood is that they, they use a lot of it over in Belize.
1: It's very dense. Uh, eBay, I think I feel like ebay's denser than I deep. would agree. I Ipe, would agree. Uh, there was a table we had one time, some guy tore out a bunch of it was reclaimed eBay, if you can believe such a thing. It was deck boards, and some lady said, If you'll come tear this deck out, I'll pay you to tear the deck out. He's like, Sure, And would the deck out. And it was all eBay, it was really gray but nobody knew it was eBay. He's like, Okay, it'll be like you know, a thousand dollars to tear it out. Well. <clears throat>
0: The lumber alone was probably worth like five grand. Oh
1: my God. Who knows? Who knows how much? Because he had, he made furniture for us. He would make like, we'd sub it out and he would make some stuff for us. And like, I'd make a base and he'd make the tops or whatever, which he he didn't glue anything together really too much because they were going outside. So they would just kind of like screw them down. But it didn't really take a screw either. That was a whole different process. But he made some 10 foot by, by four foot eBay top tables and it was deck boards so they're an inch or five Mm -hmm. quarter well they were five quarter they were about an inch down and I threw it back out pick up the table yep I mean it must have weighed 450 pounds I'm not kidding the base didn't weigh anything yep it was the most unbelievably heavy thing that bench must have been heavy wasn't it
0: oh yeah it was no joke just that bench which I mean there was a lot of air in between slats and everything probably weighed 350
1: yeah I mean that's that's good though I like stuff like that
2: that yeah. three hundred and fifty pounds.
0: Yeah, probably all in. Yeah, oh moving it was not fun.
1: How did it? How did like the slats? Uh, what did you mill the slats to in the back? The back.
0: So all of the dimensions, thickness. If it was a single single piece, it was an inch. Even if it was uh, if it was a laminated piece, they were. I think I ended up doing inch and three quarter. By the time so, I what everything by down. so what did you buy, five-quarter? So I just bought deck too? boards. It, it, everything oh. was just deck boards. That's what they had. So I started out with mm. essentially an inch, maybe just slightly more. And then by the time I, I put a, uh, a flat edge on there, on, on the joiner, that's what I had to work How with. How
1: long did they come? How long could you get them? 16s?
0: Yeah, they were 16-foot pieces, and I actually had to have them cut them in half at the mill just so right. I could get them on my trailer, because I only have a 12-foot trailer. So Were they rounded? Just like yes, the edges wood? were rounded, so I ended up having so to cut off the lot. round. Not a ton. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was probably a quarter inch on each side. Okay. It wasn't crazy.
1: No, that's cool. That's really, really cool. Man. So that's also one of the reasons why it was a little more expensive, because you're paying for milled wood. Yes. I don't think I've ever seen raw Ipe. No. I've seen raw Sapelli, but I've never seen raw Ipe. That's interesting.
0: If you guys are interested in like building with exotic woods, there's a YouTube channel called Sail Cargo. And basically it's these guys down in Costa Rica who are building a fully sustainable wind powered cargo ship to be able to take product from central and South America up the coast of the Atlantic and sell stuff in the U S and go back and forth. But it's totally green build and they're building it all out of mostly cypress and cedar from down in the rainforest in Costa Rica, but mm-hmm. they're, they're literally building the deck boards and the sides, the interior sides out of, they said it was eight inch by 13 inch wide. So eight inch thick, 13 inch wide boards and beams. And then they're twisting them to the angles that you need on the boat. So they're doing a the five to eight hour steam and then they have an hour to bend it all into place and it takes them, they're like 25 foot boards or beams, I should say. And they're bending all this stuff into shape. It is the craziest thing to watch.
1: So I think Dude, eight hours thin. I saw him on Facebook. I think I followed him on Facebook. There's another one in maybe Germany or Sweden. I can't pronounce the name of it. And it's something something boat. And they the same thing. And the guy's got these He's got, you know how like you buy like a thing at Home Depot, the little plane, yeah, like the electric hand planer. Yep, they got them and they're like twelve inches wide.
0: Yeah, so I've seen those and, that timber and framers they're use. Doing
1: that. yeah That's crazy. Yeah, it's Super insane. Cool. Makita makes one that's
0: some... pretty
2: ridiculous.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. I saw the sale car guy because the guy's always got his shirt off. He's always covered in dust. He's got long hair. Yep. Yeah, a friend I followed him on Facebook. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, that's what, yeah. that's the epitome of the best.
0: Yeah, they, and they all have volunteers from around the world that are typically only there for like three to four weeks at a time, and then they go back to doing what they're doing. And so they've had multiple people like coming and going throughout this two-year-long project, and they're probably about two-thirds of the way done right now, but they're getting to the point where they're starting to put down deck boards and get to finishing. So it's been crazy. There's not... There's not one, like right angle on anything so far. Yeah, shipbuilding yeah. is totally different. Totally I different can barely world.
1: Describe cabinet.
2: <laughs> <Whoa. laughs> uh, very cool. So, so what we we what recorded like like four times now, and every single time we've talked about I no, AKA, our second episode. Oh, I know. But we, okay. <laughs>
0: Yeah, this the reason technical. this is called episode two and a half is because we <laughs> yeah. had two prior failed attempts of recording this yeah. uh, due to technical difficulties, and we've had some great, I'll great take, content.
2: I'll take partial blame for that. I my hand fell on my little USB it connector, all of I went this. to my mic, and I, I ruined one of them. Um, yeah. But yeah, so so every time we've recorded though, we've talked about IPE, aka IPE for you fancy (laughs) folks and weirdos dude uh so you know what i'm gonna commit right now to it i'm gonna make a cornhole board uh eBay. yes and you better not ship it you know what uh f you i can ship it the ups Uh, guy's gonna sue you oh dude he already hates me every package i send is 84 pounds hey
1: i got a question can you ship freight with them Did they help with freight? Like if you wanted a whole pallet and you just tell them how big and how tall and how much it weighs. Are
2: you talking about Shopify or UPS? Yeah. UPS definitely does freight.
1: Yeah, but I'm like, can you just handle it through Shopify? Uh,
2: Because
1: when I start shipping those cabinets that we've been talking about. I'm not
2: sure if you get the same discount. Uh, We could check into it though. But um, I bet you could.
1: I was putting those cabinets together today. and, And they're so nice. They're so nice. This one was missing some hardware, but fortunately, they always give you extra. So I was putting it together for a built-in, and the pantries are 84 by 18 by, um, you know, standard depth, 24 inches face frame. They're tall, uh, but they have, like, a tall door at the bottom and a short door at the top, right, and all maple fronts, and... That box says "made in," <laughs> and the other box that had the drawers in it, same color, same build, same made the same way. Hmm. Make them in two different places, and I just—I don't know. I—I I, I feel bad for—I don't know because I know they're making them with CNCs and stuff because you can see some of the CNC marks on the back, like in the dados and stuff like that. Yeah but uh
2: cnc mark what is that
1: so like you can tell where they had like uh, a bit that cut the dados out of the back of the face frame and you can see where the bit went over itself and it's not perfect you know where you can see the little swarm. i mean i guess they could have done it with a router but they cut it out after they paint it
2: uh, oh you're saying like like below the cut area
1: yeah because you know like when you go over okay. something with router you see where like you're I don't know what they're using. Oh, like, like, like
2: if the bit stays in a certain area for too long. Right, okay. right. Okay, okay. okay. That's right. Like, they, like they, whenever, they, whenever the bit's lifting or entering.
1: Correct. Okay. Got it. Yeah, because I can tell they're seeing it after they paint it because it's all nice and freshly painted, and they wouldn't take the time to cover that up. So
0: mm-hmm. anyway, yeah. Huh. So, Colton, you're making the commitment. When yeah. can we expect... Beyond the backlog of cornhole boards that you currently <laughs> have, when Jesus when can we expect goodness. some ePay cornhole boards?
2: Uh, give me uh, two, three days. <laughs> <laughs>
0: have you, have uh, you, what do you whittled think? Down You know what's surprising
2: or? is that I, I've promised stupider than that before. But uh, I don't have know. you whittled I, down? Like, like, I, I just want to make it and then put it on the website. And I'm sure somebody will buy it. Oh, 100%. Hey, yeah, you know what? Someone listening to this podcast right now. Go buy this board. Could do it, yeah. It, it, it like so. I, I was thinking about today as as I was uh, sanding some boards. Like I, I want to just like make it, put it out there, and market it as something that a, a cornhole board that is like true wood looks amazing, but you can actually leave outside.
0: It mm-hmm. would
2: look great, which, granted, I would have to not do the LEDs if they're going to leave it outside.
0: But, but uh, LEDs wouldn't look great with epay anyway.
2: Oh, maybe I make LEDs look good on everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I I can put LEDs in places they weren't supposed to go. Don't
0: I don't excited. know what that means, but I'm <laughs> just turned don't on. Too excited
2: about that. <laughs> <I> just... <laughs> learn that on You're your OnlyFans? Oh, yeah yeah
0: um yeah oh that was so have colton have you whittled down the number of boards that you're still working on because like you before you came here you told us you had to go to ups were you going to ship out a set no
2: i I shipped a a, what do you call it a charcuterie board today Ah. and but i was supposed to deliver three boards like it, it was an in-person drop-off we're gonna meet at walmart uh today but luckily i was able to push them off till tomorrow morning because i wasn't gonna have time for the poly to dry on the boards before it was time to deliver
0: but i, I got a
2: taste of uh, that same anxiety i had whenever we first started uh, doing these cornhole boards. It was like every day, almost every day, I, a few times a week, it was like, all right, we have 17 hours until this board's due. Can we make it? And Or do we have to tell this person that they're not going to get this board in time for their anniversary or birthday or graduation yes. or whatever? And I, I would always say yes, we can make it. But I'd be like, all right, we got 17 hours. And then I started doing the, the math on how long does it take the poly dry all right we, we need at least four hours for that if we want two coats and then maybe we can package it after that if it's not too humid outside uh the the resin's got this much time everything and just that anxiety like where you don't even take a break to drink water like it, it whatever i, I got a taste of that again today it, it brought me back but in a um, good or
0: bad way were you having like ptsd flashbacks
2: Oh, it, it was good to analyze kind of where I've come from or like like how far we've come to where we're not having to do that anymore much, except for today. But I had the the gall, I guess, I don't know what the word is for it, to tell the customer the truth and that I didn't actually have time to do it and, or like, yeah, we didn't have time. And... Oh, that was a big step for me. I I have a hard time with that. Um, So I I can totally relate to to that.
0: Yeah, I can totally relate to that. And there's a lot of times that I try and force a project to make sure that it's ready by the time I said it was going to be done because I gave my word and it needs Mm -hmm. to be done. But I've learned also that just because I gave my word doesn't mean that I still don't want to deliver the best product possible. Mm
2: -hmm. And delivering the best product possible
0: outweighs the date that I said. So yes. I have found asking for an extra day or sometimes an extra week where there are some things for, for instance, the ePay bench, I was supposed to deliver it a week prior. And I, I told them, listen, I can technically, I can get it done. Is it going to be done right? It, it won't be up to my standards. So mm-hmm. if you can give me an extra week, Besides, it's snowing outside right now, so you're not going to be sitting outside. So if you can give me an extra week, then I think we're all going to be happier in the end. And they were like, yeah, I mean, obviously, we're not going to go sit outside in the snow. So, yeah, take the extra time.
2: Yeah. Dude, Ross, very well put. Exactly. I feel you.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but four
1: months is a little push in a little bit, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs>
2: so
0: so we lost uh, all
1: my advice i gave him last time
0: right you, you, well oh we uh, we do have some of it for um we do have some of it for some of the trailers that you guys hopefully will be hearing in the near well future. let's
1: re i want to reiterate this for our the people that are listening okay that do woodworking for a
0: living okay
1: take it uh, away jess whether they're making money or not The, that whole, you guys are drinking very nice. The, the, (laughs) the, uh, like you were saying the other day, oh, well, you know, and it's like some lady and she's like, well, I really need it to be this price and so on and so forth. Listen, man, that stuff is not your problem. You don't go to Walmart and say you want, you know, the price is there. So you give them a price that's reasonable and that's it. You give them a price that's reasonable and if they can't afford it, it's not your problem. You're not selling the medical stuff. Don't don't you never lose money on the job you don't take. So and as far as you trying to box batch out a bunch of stuff that you have to do, and it's just like I know it's so mind numbing doing the same thing over and over. Although you do you know, you do have some different boards, right? They're all they don't all look exactly Every the same. Every single part,
2: F and one. Is different. Well,
1: yeah, but the, well, the frames, but of the them, frames the yeah. same. The measurements yeah. are the same. You know that that's a lot of that's the same. Yeah, just well, set yourself, and you know how long it takes you for the most part for most of it. So set up certain processes to be done, and just get the shop set up to that and do it. Make all the ba- all the bases done. Make all the tops you know, get those cut out done, have a whole two, a whole week of epoxy where everything's just covered in plastic and you're just doing nothing but epoxy pours and set. Cause you know about this, how, how long it's going to take you. If you actually write this on paper or do something on your computer and you set yourself a goal, okay, I have to get this much done today. And if I get that much done, then that means I'm on track. And then, you, you know, you go to the next thing before you know it, you'll be done, but don't take any more orders until you're done. Cause you're going to, you're mm-hmm. going to burn out or, you know, Mm. It won't we're, become. It, you've we're, lost we're, the fun right now. We're
2: past the burnout stage.
1: Yeah, you've I, lost the fun of it. Don't I've, do that. I've,
2: I've burned out and reignited because I'm not a f- quitter. Sorry, you have to bleep that one out. I, I know you're not. I know you're not a quitter.
1: <laughs> I know you're not a quitter. And 30's not a lot. That's not the end of the world. Yeah, I, we did. I did a job. Oh my gosh, when I first started, right? So excited.
0: What was his name?
1: <laughs> his name his name
0: was
2: um
1: toasted monkey ooh wonderful it's called the toasted monkey and so bar so this yeah on the beach yeah toasted monkey and there's a restaurant in the front there's a Howard Johnson Dude, on there. the beach and there's a toasted monkey restaurant in the front and then you drive around back to the very back all the way to the beach and there's toasted monkey bar and of course bars make like a gazillion dollars every night on the beach in in uh it's in Clearwater, yep. Clearwater Beach. So the guy somehow got a hold of one of the girls that worked at the store. And she had a little wood shop, but like very little. And like she would make some tables and just like little things. She had a guy that was a carpenter because she didn't do it, but she would finish him and so on and so forth. Well, he came to her and said, I want to replace all the furniture on the Toasted Monkey Place. I want all new tables, all new chairs, benches and bar stools, and all bar height. So she showed me her guy's stuff and she had the paint job spot on. It was killer. It was like all these different colors sanded through and then sparred over. It was really neat looking and he loved it. But the guy didn't know how to make a table. He had like toenailed the aprons into the legs. Like he was building it like a, I don't know, like a framer would build it. Yeah. You know I was going mean? say that
0: sounds like framing.
1: Yes. Yeah. He didn't, didn't know what he was doing. So, um, and it was a lot cause it was 50 tables 200 bar height chairs and 50, um, stools, And so
0: it's a big bar for a beach.
1: It's really not. It's really not that much, but yeah, it With is, I guess. Tables, like that's a big, yeah, bar I guess, for a beach. I guess, I guess it is. I guess it is. So I figured, okay, it's going to take us about this long to make these about this long to make these. And so we made them and I think the total job was about thirty-six thousand dollars. But let me tell you something, thirty-six thousand dollars goes quick. And we built we built them and then it came time to finish them, and that girl was supposed to finish them, and she couldn't finish them, so then I had to finish them. And and I was just I remember just doing the same thing every day. Like literally I would spend days just like cutting one thing.
0: Legged. Like
1: a leg yep. or the back of the chair backs or you cut in this circle on that or whatever. And we tried to make it as simple, you know, as I could, but I was just, Oh my gosh. And then the logistics, we had to get it all over there. So then we had to rent a U-Haul and, a, you know, twice. And it was just, I got so burnt out. And by the time we got done, I'm sure we didn't make very much money on it after paying labor and paying for wood and stuff, because it probably took me a couple months, you know, to, to two or three months to do it and we had two or three other guys working uh we kept going through employees because they were all getting burnt out like it was i was hot we didn't have air conditioning mm. stunk so i know what you mean i know what you mean when it's like oh man this is great look at this. this is so awesome and then you start you actually get into it and it's like a month in and you're like am i ever going to finish this i yeah. totally get it
2: man um uh- What about
1: you, Ross? You ever done anything like that?
0: Uh, Yeah, so actually, I got hired uh, to build some... And I know this sounds super trivial, but uh, I got hired to build some menu holders for different events. And I had to make 800 of them. Oh. And they weren't very big. They were literally like... They they were basically a 2-inch by 2-inch by 5-inch block. But I had to cut... uh, Basically cut a a rabbit into the center uh, that only went halfway down to hold up a paper menu. What kind of wood? So initially they had requested black walnut and then they saw the price of it and they Mm -hmm. were like, can we do something else and make it look like black walnut? So I ended up having to stain red oak pieces because I had red oak. And um, I ended up having to mill up all kinds of stuff to be able to get 800 pieces out of it. But cutting all the pieces, I actually, I sent samples of different uh, stains and they decided on one of them and they decided that the, and I thought the easiest way would be just running my dado, uh, or not my dado, uh, my standard table saw blade down the middle and at a certain height, and I can run everything on these longer strips and then cut them to length. And that would be the easiest way to do it just so that everything stayed uniform. And then unfortunately they said that the width of my... Uh, table saw blade was too much and so uh, they didn't want any wiggle in the paper that they were using to hold up so I actually had to buy a thin kerf saw blade that got to within one thousandth of an inch of the thickness of the paper the cardstock they were using just to be able to get it to the right size run all those pieces cut them all and then do an assembly line of staining but Putting them Just get a bucket. <laughs> well, so the, the hard part was we actually we were doing a bucket. It's not so much staining them; it's drying oh, I mean. them, and then making right. making sure that they dry evenly. Right. And it was the middle of like August, so of okay. course my shop is open and it's humid as all get out. They're not drying sweating. evenly, and the yeah. only thing that I had to put them out on that I had a lot of and could kind of cover up and not worry about was MDF. So I was basically cutting sheets of MDF in into like two foot widths and then full length and stretching them across my trailer to be able to lay out all these things. But the MDF soaked up all the extra stain like crazy. And then pieces were sticking to it. And I ended up having to redo a whole bunch of them. It was, it was a process I was not happy about. Yep. Mm. So it is what it is. And as you said, the monotony when you're in it is awful, but when you finish, it's pretty fantastic. So yeah, Dude, that, yeah, that they was, liked it. That yeah.
2: was quite a bit of menu holders.
0: Yes. Dude, and
2: I, I didn't know they made blades that thin. Either.
0: Yeah, I actually had to order a Freud blade um, because it was like triple thick cardstock. So three pieces of paper together. But the Freud thin curve ripping blade was within one one thousandth of an inch of the width of that cardstock.
2: Did you have a problem keeping it sharp?
0: uh no 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 because it was cutting such a small area it wasn't too bad and it was a freshly sharpened carbide tip so being that i ran i think it was like 49 two inch by two inch by 12 foot lengths to be able to get all these pieces out of it it could have been more than that but either way it was at least 49 or 50. And I would just run them straight through and just grab the next one. And uh, I had somebody on the other end just receiving stuff on on the outfeed table and stacking stuff up. It was just assembly line work. And it's not exciting. It's not fun. But unfortunately, the efficiencies pay the bills.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Not to change the subject, but on the other end of the spectrum, I bought a blade recently for my 12-inch table saw because I was getting… You should get a bigger table saw. I've got a 14 inch too. Oh. So the 12 no, inch. Yeah. The sliders a 14. So the 12, you know, it's hard to buy a blade that's for a table saw. That's a 12. Cause it always wants to be like a miter blade, like a miter saw cross cut blade. Right? Correct. Mm-hmm. So I did find an industrial Floyd one. Um, that was for a plywood. It was a plywood thinker blade. So it, it was mostly what I was using it for was cutting plywood and stuff like that. Uh, and it would cross-cut and not tear out. It worked really good. I had a serial clearance insert, but I wanted one that was stiff so that it wouldn't flex when I was doing glue line rips on whatever. So they had an industrial Freud 12-inch thick stock uh, or heavy stock, heavy rip, something like that, uh, glue line rip blade. So in other words, this blade is very stiff and it won't bend when you're going to rip stuff. So that when you glue them up, you don't have any blade deflection causing problems with your glue up. I swear to you, the blade part, not the tips, is three sixteenths of an inch thick, and the tips are almost a quarter. It's like it's, a it's like variance. it's like a box joint.
2: Yeah blade what, was it a flat I curve turn it on. on the the tips themselves
1: it's, it's flat it's flat curve almost 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 flat it's very slight angle on it but i mean it sounds like a dado you know how a dado yeah. sounds when you yeah.
0: run it yeah
1: yeah so i had to make a different thing i mean i guess it won't deflect but god it's going to eat up it's going to eat up a half inch of wood every two cuts yeah yeah
0: <laughs> yeah you
1: know? I mean, it so kind of stinks, but it yeah. is what it is. I mean, it's, it's fun to hold it. It's enormous. That's what she said. <laughs> it is like it is like a beast. And those 14-inch blades are like that, too. They're very, very thick. Even the one for the plywood that I bought, yeah. it's supposed to be cross-cut. It's got a whole bunch of teeth on it. And <clears throat> same thing. It's very, very thick. Very, very, very thick. Uh, anyway, yeah. I'm like in a whole different world with those saws. I'm not used yeah. to that so i'm just used to going to home depot and buying a diablo blade and you hit a tooth you just go buy another one you know yeah. what i mean you don't even sharpen them it's more to like sharpen it than it is to buy a new blade
0: so i have actually found on the economic side of things it is actually cheaper to buy the higher end blade once and sharpen it up to five to six times than it is to buy the of lower course. end blade every time
1: only on lower tooth count blades not true where do you get them sharpened? Oh. I saw you're using that orange one. That so uh,
0: yeah. So I I have a CMT blade for my dado stack now. I used to have an Irwin blade, but I had an issue with uh, <laughs> I actually had an issue with the saw stop dado stack, uh, break that it hit uh, the saw stop or the blade hit a brad nail and totally seized up the blade. My hands were nowhere near it, but it shattered multiple teeth on my old dado stack. No. So yeah yeah it was not fun it was in the middle of trying to do a whole bunch of uh, data work on the epay bench the dusty fart bench so it is what it is but um i I actually have Freud I believe yeah I have Freud uh blades one is a sixty tooth cross cut blade and I have a twenty four tooth ripping blade and I spent between sixty to eighty bucks on each blade and I've had each of them now for almost three years and I go to a place I, so I used to send them to a place near me to go get sharpened. And I realized they were sending them somewhere else to go get sharpened. So I was paying the middleman. So I go direct to the guy now and it's just a different suburb. It's about a half hour drive, but they'll take walk-ins and they'll do them right there while you're waiting. So oh, wow. like, they're like, come What's back so? in an hour. So I literally, I go down, it's like 14 bucks a blade to get them sharpened. So no matter how. He doesn't how,
1: charge you per tooth? No,
0: what? no, it's a flat fee because they just they do them as a set on the machine, and they get it done in like an hour, and then they actually wax dip the entire yeah, yeah. Um, paraffin yeah the paraffin wax.
1: Be careful pulling that off. I used to shred my fingertips doing that. Yeah,
0: I've done that a couple times too. But <laughs> you're um, like, Why are these? Yeah. Okay. But either way, it's it's exponentially cheaper. And I used to go the route of the Diablo blades or even the Dewalt blades or whatever, <clears> and I ended up having to buy new ones of those every month or so. And I was spending $20, 30 bucks on each of those, yeah, and yeah. I literally doubled the money or almost tripled it once, and I've now had years worth of service out of these blades.
2: Hey, so well, the- so asking for a friend, um, of course not for me, but uh, it's herpes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next question. Easy. That
0: was it. It's not uh, supposed to Go no, uh, <laughs> Oh God.
2: I lost where I was thinking. Of herpes got me. <laughs> Oh, hey, So, so for the beginning woodworker, um, I what's y'all's telltale sign of when your blade is getting dull? Uh, is it you see it start seeing burning, or what's your? Mm. Like, is it getting getting harder to push through? What's your? Mm. Which, what's your go to sign of like? Okay, so it's time Jess, the you want stuff. to
0: take this first?
2: There's a couple
1: ways. I mean, it should not be difficult. Depending on what you're cutting, and if you have a good riving knife set up and everything's set up right, it should be not it should not be difficult to push, to push through to, to
2: push
0: through. Now it it does depend on what burn, the horsepower. Like it does yeah. depend on the horsepower of your saw. So well, for and, instance, and the
2: wood you're pushing through.
0: Yes. So for instance, if you're just pushing plywood, if you're getting resistance on it, you have a really dull blade. No and matter what the saw is,
1: and it's shredding it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you are pushing something through, like eight quarter white oak or ash or something with a ripping blade and you're doing it and it's, it's really slow moving and you're having to put a lot of effort into it. That is a dull blade. But if you're also working with a three quarter horsepower table saw, uh, there's, there's only so much that the that table saw can do. So you definitely have to do more passes to get that done correctly. Whereas if you have a three or five horsepower saw, that should be able to cut through that like a hot knife through butter.
1: Correct. Yeah. Three horsepower is usually plenty. You know, one thing that I never did until probably almost five years into it. Meth. Um, was <laughs> it was change the blade depending on what you're doing. Yes. Like a ripping blade, a ripping blade for wood, not plywood, a ripping blade for wood has very few teeth. The less teeth the easier it is on the saw the faster you'll cut it now it's not going to be a pretty cut it's going to have saw marks on the side of it but it is going to it's, it's going to increase the longevity of the the saw first of all and second of all the longevity of the blade and so on and so forth people use combination blades to rip inch and a half stock and i guess you can do that that's okay but if you had a ripping blade on there and you tried those back to back, it's a totally different surface. The other thing is you don't use a combination blade to cross cut plywood and then use that same blade to rip thick stock. Like oh. you just, it's just not, <laughs> they literally design it so that, so you buy like a, a, a high tooth, like a 60 or an 80 tooth blade yep. for, for plywood and for thin things that you're, especially when you're cross cutting grain and you don't want tear out and then you have a big fat ripping blade that's just got a few teeth on it
0: mm-hmm.
1: to, to rip thick stock. Yep. Now you can use... I mean, it, <clears throat> it depends on what you're doing because if you're running with... Like, say, for instance, you're cutting plywood and you're getting a lot of tear out, that's because either your blade is dull, you have too many, too few teeth, right? Or um, there can be some other reasons because have start to have some wobble in it and things like that. But for the most part... A combination blade is good. Like I will use a combination blade because it will rip and cross cut plywood and not tear out in the beginning. Towards the end, it starts to get dull. It starts tearing out on your cross cut. But I mean, you could just about you can rip plywood with the grain with any kind of blade. You could use ripping blade. It's not going to tear out the uh, the veneer. It's still
0: usually. cleaner with a with a uh, it's still high uh, yes, tooth blade. But yes, higher tooth
1: blade. so So lower tooth lower tooth thick stock higher tooth uh less tear out cross cuts just remember those that
2: yeah so i I laugh because right now i i do use my combination blade for everything uh which granted it is it is a very fresh blade um so i I guess it's not 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 dull enough ripping blades are cheap because
1: there's no teeth
2: yeah, I don't. Ripping
1: blades are cheap. They're like.
2: I don't want to. 20 like, bucks. I'm trying to work on efficiency here. I'm late. I, I'm not trying to change my blade all the time. But
0: and, Well, but that's yeah, why first.
1: you set one set of process to all your ripping, do it all at one time. All your crosscuts, yeah. well, do it all at one time.
2: I did do one thing. So my neighbor gave me this uh, old Craftsman benchtop uh, table saw, right? Yep. He was like, do you want this? And he was going to throw it away. And I was like, yeah, I'll take it. And it sat in the corner of my shop, collected dust for a long time. And lately, I put a dado stack on there, which is – it's about a half-inch dado stack, which it's a little sketchy. I'm not going to lie. I, How I much like, are you taking out
1: with the dado at a time?
2: Um, so it's a half-inch wide, three-quarter tall. And You're I I, I, built a a little, I built a little sled on it, yeah three quarter tall, uh, which granted, this is not out of like long strips of wood or anything. this is like okay. plywood. so um on our cornhole frames, um, we have so there's one part where there's plywood or not plywood uh, pine, like just three quarter inch like white pine um, or southern pine, whatever it is And uh, I'm cutting like corners of it off. And like crossways um okay like perpendicular to the board and so like real small cut right and then the other part is like quarter inch plywood which uh, i use for like the back shelf mm-hmm. of um, to hold the leds on and uh which also side note i can't wait to get this next video done so y'all y'all can see how ridiculous these corner boards are um but yeah so the shelf that holds these leds I got I got to fit pocket the pocket hole screws around it, and so I dado out like like there's six sides of it where I, I dado out these things, and uh, so yeah I'm throwing like this quarter inch plywood up there, which I had a like you said last time um, I got I gotta batch this stuff out right, so uh, I would grab I had a whole stack of like 50 of these backs on it and one at a time was way too slow. So I grab three to five at a time, put them on, put them on the sled. I'm holding them right here, making sure I'm not going to lose a finger and mm-hmm. then I, I, I push it through, uh, on this bench top, uh, table saw, which I, I did build a little thing that went below the bench top table saw to the where bench. I, where I could fasten it to the bench <laughs> uh, to where it wasn't moving. Because, like, literally, when he's throwing that data stack around, the whole saw wants to run. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. it wants to move. This, is,
1: this is awesome. And, this uh, is video material. Yeah.
2: Oh, also, um, I'm, I'm going to jump ahead and give a nugget, too, while we're on it. Um, I think that table saws and safety, is it's like drunk driving. Right? Yeah, like,
0: don't use a table saw drunk. Horrible idea. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I don't know. I think you can drink <laughs> You can't get a ticket for it.
0: <laughs> That's true. i may right, not have I'm fingers at the end.
2: I mean, uh, well. I, I'm drinking some, uh, like, can we say the B word on here? Beer? Uh, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Babes? <laughs> uh, I, I'm, drinking, I'm drinking some, some bitch beer right now. And um, I'm going to run the table saw But um, what the f- I say? Oh, what yeah. happened with the so so joke driving. <laughs> Junk driving. Um ah, the uh, Jesus. Oh, so it you you can do it, right? You can run a table can- saw all day, right? It's whenever you get in you oftentimes you can get away with driving after a few beers, right? It's yes. whenever you stop fearing it, right? Whenever you whenever the thought of you losing a finger doesn't cross your mind every time you hit the table saw that's when, or eventually when you're going to lose a finger or do
0: something stupid. And to and, be fair, fatigue in the shop is a real thing. And, and it's more to your yes. point, what you're saying here. Let's say you've been in doing a marathon in your shop for 13, 14 hours and you're trying to work on the table saw and you're doing yeah. something fairly sketchy, like trying to hold five boards all at once on a dado stack Trippie. on a benchtop yeah. uh, table saw. If you're trying down, to do that all at once at one o'clock in the morning, you don't have all your faculties about you. You're not and as you might not as... have
2: them when you're done either.
0: True story. Yeah. yeah. Well, well the, I would
2: the thing is, is you gotta keep the fear. That's all I'm saying. Yes. And do, like, yeah. As soon as you lose your fear, you get too comfy doing it, just like drunk driving, you get too comfy doing it, you get you get screwed. Right?
0: That's why this episode I... is and... called The Smell of Fear.
2: <laughs> I, I uh, forgot we... you named it that. that is perfect. Well. Hey, that's
1: a good callback right there. We, we have a newer guy in the shop. And, well, I mean, he's been there for a while, but he's not used to a table saw like we have, you know, and a, a, a cabinet-style saw. He's used it a little bit in the past. And I'm watching him, and he's, like, sliding stuff through, right? And he doesn't want to get his fingers anywhere near it, right? So he's got, like, these push sticks that I've made. And, first of all, when he grabs the push stick, He's not keeping it firmly against the fence, right? So it's already going to start to want to catch. It's almost like the push stick is more dangerous. He's got like four inches to work with, and he doesn't want to push his hand past. Okay, fine. We'll work on that. But then there'll be a little sliver right next to the blade, and he reaches his hand and goes and grabs it. And I'm like, dude, you can't see the blade moving. You can't. It's a black plate. There's a black riving knife, and the blade's going so fast, you can't see where that blade is. Screw the excess piece. Just let, let the saw stop and then get it or use the push stick to get it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Honestly, he'll probably push that push stick into the blade and smack himself in the face or the crotch with the, with the push stick is what will wind up happening. But I do believe that you have to set yourself up with certain, like when you're using a table saw, you just move in a certain way where if something goes wrong, you would never get hurt. Like when I push something smaller, not super small, but smaller through the table saw, my hand, my fingers automatically go up and to the right, up towards the fence, away from the blade. I don't curl my fingers the other way. And my hand is, my finger and my um, thumb, my pointer and my thumb are always touching that fence. So I know I'm over as far as I could possibly be. And it's just like, I don't even think about it anymore. Um but uh, the other thing is is that I see him is that he pushes the piece through and I'm taller, he's a tall guy, he's not short, but he pushes it past the blade, right? And the piece is done and he wants to first of all he wants to push it up past the blade over to the left and pull it back. In other words, pulling his wrist over the top of no, the blade. No, no,
0: you push it to Did the you, other side of the fence said, if you're doing anything. Push it.
1: Just push it. Just push it out, push it over around the fence. What exactly? Or after you've pushed it forward. Okay. And I've taught him that just leave it over there. We'll walk over there and get it. It's okay. I don't care how long it takes you. He'll push it. He'll pull his hand back back towards his body. And it's like, his fingers are dangling. Like I watch like a half inch from that blade because he's not doing a dramatic. So when I push forward, I push forward and my hand comes almost up and back down to my body. Instead of like just pulling it back. You see, understand what tell, I'm saying? Yeah. I don't tell that, him to. That I know sense. this
0: sounds dumb, but tell him to do the breaststroke. So when he pushes through, his hands come up and out and behind. Oh, that's uh, smart,
1: dude! The breaststroke. Who taught you that, Ross? That's genius.
0: Uh, so, Where did you hear that? So I actually heard that from my shop teacher in high school.
2: Oh,
1: that's genius!
0: Yeah, dude, I, like, I
2: saw someone commented on one of your posts about your shop teacher in high school. Yeah. Uh, do you have a good shop class?
0: So. I we did, like our shop was pretty ridiculous. It was a slightly older shop, but I learned a ton. The problem was the shop teacher that we had had to teach not only wood shop, but also small engine repair, and he was mostly a mechanic and not a wood shop guy. And so little things that like I do now were very different from then. So for instance, something as simple as finishing I think now you use sandpaper, you use you know all the faculties that you have to be able to get the stain on there, you water pop it, you sand it, you do all the things you got to do, and then you put the finish on. His idea of finishing, no matter what piece you made, was you you put the stain on and then you uh, you follow up with steel wool. And he would start with like a really light steel wool and then you blow it off with an air compressor. And then you get some... Some paste wax, so basically some Johnson's paste wax, and you rub it on, and then you wipe off the excess, and then you come back with steel wool and you go a slightly higher grit. Dude, and we I, would I've do heard like about this before. Eight, yeah. yeah, I think we talked about it when we were at WorkbenchCon at dinner one night.
2: Is that where I heard
1: about? Yeah, it? but
0: either way, <laughs> yeah. uh, we yeah, ended up putting.
1: I've never I've used steel wool, but I've never heard anybody actually teach it.
0: Yeah, that was the way he taught us how to finish. Like we didn't use sandpaper at all; we used steel wool. And if you didn't use an air compressor to blow everything off, you had little slivers of steel wool all over your piece. Yeah. But I still have mm-hmm. the first piece I've ever made. It's a little end table and the finish on it is still great. There was like four coats of paste wax and steel wool and that was it. But I mm-hmm. learned a lot in that class. Uh, I took it for five semesters. I had a ton of fun. The final project I ever made was a guitar, made it oh, all from scratch man. and I still have said guitar. And uh, it was a ton of fun, so yeah, I had a I had a great great shop teacher, Mister Kankar.
1: My mom used to tell me to use that. It must be an older thing. She's because I used the to a like glass? to be when I was a kid. I would no the steel wool though to sand, and we would I would like get old furniture and I'd want to refinish it or whatever, and I I would sit there with steel and she's like here you steel wool and it made it really smooth. Oh, not to change subject, so you got a little nugget. I've got a little nugget. <clears throat> first of all, Colton, you first. What type of sandpaper do you use, like on your this diss center?
2: Uh Serious grit. I, I love it. Serious grit. Yeah, it, it's a it's a small American e-commerce brand. Merc. And um, I, uh, you can buy it through Amazon or directly from their website. And I what, like kind of, what kind
1: of what kind what kind of sandpaper do you use, Ross?
0: Me. Uh, so I actually brand. I, as far as brands. I use a Mirka sander, which is a dustless sander that you need to use mesh paper with. So I either use the Merca paper or I use the 3M version of it, which is about a third less. It doesn't last quite as long, but it works really well. So I'm either using 3M or Mirka, uh the the Merca official sanding pads. I've
2: uh, heard cost? about that 3M. Oh, sorry, you go. Ahead. D-
0: So on both notes, the 3M stuff and the Merca stuff in general is fantastic. You're looking at roughly three bucks per six inch sanding pad, but they last Mm -hmm. probably eight times longer than a normal piece of sandpaper. Is that the cube the cube
2: -hmm. tronics where it sounds like it's like a techno band?
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it's the benefit of it is being that it's pulling the sawdust up as you're sanding, and it's vacuuming it all up. It ends up leaving less abrasion that wears away normal Mm -hmm. sandpaper. So like if you're working Mm -hmm. against all the, the the sawdust that you're creating with the sandpaper and it's just there and you're rubbing that into the piece as well, it ends up creating more of a friction, which wears away some more of the grit. Whereas using the dustless sander, you don't have that issue and it, it increases the longevity of the pads. So I can use basically three sanding pads, maybe four depending on what grit I'm going up to, but basically one or two 80 grit 120 grit and a 300 grit and that's all i need for whatever piece i'm building no matter how big i can get four pieces of, of sanding paper or sanding pads and potentially use them on another project afterwards
2: well so here's what i heard about the the cubetronics and like the mesh and all that is like whenever you're doing a flat surface like it's intended for it's great right but like i do some sketches like, uh, you know, I'll I'll, I'll twist.
0: ways to die. <laughs> yeah,
2: I, uh, I could be on that, that that meme a few times. But, um, like, you know, I, I got to get in crevices or, like, make this resin not look the, like the way it is. And, like, so from what I've heard, that those mesh pads are really good for when you're doing a flat surface like it's intended but whenever you start like to twist the sander or if you're doing like edges or you know like sometimes like uh on that charcuterie board I, I made today uh i had to take my sander and move it like nine yeah. degrees like like left and right and go over the edge i, I i've heard that they wear out with that which i, so, I have used a, some of the mesh like when i before but not for anything sketchy though
0: i will tell you if you've already done most of the rounding If you're trying to do from a straight 90 to a rounded edge. Not your straight 90, yeah. Well, no, but if it's a straight 90 and you're trying to use a sandpaper or sanding disc to round it over so that it's a uniform edge across the board, no matter what you're doing, it's not going to be perfect. And it's Mm going to wear away whatever you're working with. However, if you've already done most of the rounding with a router bit and you're just coming over and filling it, like rounding, out, smoothing over the edges, they last. Just fine. The only time I've found that there's an issue and they wear out is when you have a straight 90 corner and you're trying to use that to basically press in and and even things out. Then it'll wear out because it's hitting one spot, whereas you have to think if it's rotating at 360 degrees and then you're moving the sander, it's technically hitting the entire sanding pad rather than just a fixed uh, palm sander where it's just going to go back and forth in one spot.
2: That makes sense. So, um, so ro- I use the, uh, for my sander now, I, I got the Festool Rotex, mm-hmm. right? And it's a 49 hole sander at which, uh, I, I've considered trying to put a mesh on that.
0: It worked but, great.
2: But, uh, I don't know, 49 holes. It, it's quite a bit. It, it uh, I feel like it evacuates most of the dust anyways. Um, yeah. Which I, 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 unless whenever I get to like really high grits, like today I was using like a 40, 40 grit uh, or 46 grit or whatever it was. And whenever I start to press on it a bit, like trying to like remove resin from the top of these uh, coral boards yeah, uh, on top of the, the, the face, it does start to, to build up a little bit but um i'll hit it with the the air compressor and i'll get it out or i also have a one of those rubber sticks
0: like the, the little yeah yeah to clean out the like, sanding yeah. paper mm-hmm. so would you colton would you like a hint that will save you a boatload as far as time <laughs> and sanding sandpaper
2: oh boy do i yeah so
0: i guess the, <laughs> boy howdy do i ever uh i guess this could be my nugget So when working with epoxy, if you are trying to get overflow to get an even edge wherever you're at, if you come back with a heat gun, the same way that you use to pop the air bubbles when you're letting it set, Uh if you come back later and warm everything up, you can come through with a putty knife and get everything perfectly smooth. You just heat up the, the, the epoxy right in front of your putty knife and just go slowly through and it takes it all off in like one sheet. Just get out of here. Just even with wherever you're trying to go, and then so you like can... a big
1: putty knife. Is or that yeah. is. is that
2: on, on plywood? Though?
0: I've done it on hardwood, plywood, you name it. I've done it on all kinds of things. But uh, literally... second question:
2: What kind of resin?
0: So it's typically the bar top epoxy that I've worked with. So okay. the thicker stuff, yeah. but like it, it's worked on tons of different things that I've tried. And you can come through and it just, it heats it up enough to where it breaks down the molecular levels or the molecular bond of the Mm -hmm. epoxy. And then you can peel off that top layer and then it cools and you come back with the sander and you're only sanding everything flush rather than trying to carve out everything as well.
1: Is this before it's
2: cured? No, this is,
0: I mean, it could be, I've actually had to go back and like peel off some epoxy that I put on like a week or two prior.
1: Well, I did see a guy the other day, Blacktail took a whole... He had made a whole top out of epoxy Mm -hmm. and then made a form and set it in the sun. Yes. And it let it it bend over. Yep. (sighs) Well, anyway, the reason that I was asking you, because I've always just used, like, Home Depot crap paper. Like, it was just cheap. It was there, and I bought it. And this company, I don't know if you guys can see my screen.
0: Maverick. So,
1: Maverick Abrasives is who I got... Uh, my Maverick abrasives is who I got my belts for our white belt sander for them,
2: dude. Mm-hmm. They, hit, and they, they had a really they good hit me with deal. So on many it. ads, like I, I see them all the time, maybe so.
1: But they sent me a thing and said, We'll give you 15% off if you want to try this ceramic multi hole hoop and loop disc. So it's like a Festool knockoff look yep. and stuff, I think. Right? Yep, I got it. it. It was like $18.50 a box for 50 sheets, which is cheaper than. Even Home Depot yep. is for their crap stuff. That's pretty good. You couldn't tear a piece of that paper by hand. No. You couldn't do it. And it's like I'm irritated. I'm irritated that it's that good and it's been there. And I could have been using it because America Braces has been around. But that ceramic multi-hole, I bought every grit that I ever used, like 80, 120, 150, 200, 180, two, you know, 320. Yeah. And I used it the other day, and I was like, you got to be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me that I've been using crap sandpaper. Cause I like use sandpaper and I'm like, man, I must not have enough flow, enough grit because it's not doing anything. Especially when you send stuff like maple or oak. Yeah. Um, but anyway, give it a shot. Cause they have six inch too. Is it that purple
2: out. one on the screen right there?
0: Yeah. Like the, yeah. the
2: like the spiral holes there? Yeah. Well, does if that doesn't line up with your holes, does it still matter? I mean...
0: Yeah, It so you, you do need it to line up to have full efficiency on the dust collection, but that's why it's better to just go with the, the cloth sanding discs in comparison because you're pulling from every inch of it with the dust collection. So even oh, so if you were to try... Cloth,
2: sit, so the, the cloth net. is synonymous with mesh?
0: Yeah, it's a mesh cloth okay. interweave.
1: Well, anyway, that's if for memory. a regular old guy that just buys like regular sandpaper from Home Depot... It, I mean, it's got so many holes that it, what does my DeWalt have, like eight holes or whatever? Mm-hmm. It works just fine. Yeah. And it just eats. It just eats um. through the wood. It made me so happy. You know, trying to get saw marks out of that cedar. Now, cedar's soft. Don't don't get me wrong. But I had a little battery-powered sander out there. And I just was trying to get the saw marks off after we ripped some of the boards uh, on the fly. And I had, like, one twenty. Hmm. And it wasn't doing anything to it. And I put that on there and instantly took it off. It was amazing. So, and then I tried it in the DeWalt and it was even better. There was actually an electric one uh, plug in.
2: Jesse, I, I'm
1: going to get a Festool. I can tell uh, you.
0: I, the, I,
2: was to, I was about to. You, you beat me to it, man. Have you ever tried a Rotex? Have you
0: ever held it?
1: No. That's all I hear about. So I know there's better. The Festools
0: yeah. are great. I can Something tell you the Murka. The Murka is also life changing. Really? Yeah, it is absolutely astounding. And the Merka setup, it's similar similar idea to the Rotex. And is it dual drive? Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, it's got talks right, about yours. probably six or seven. So what happens
1: when your Merka breaks?
0: So let's just talk about So that. I that's actually a good thing. Um, I have I have cement floors in my shop and there was one point when I was working on a project and I was I was tired, I was going through things and I had it precariously balanced on something. And it fell off and hit the, hit the floor and just wouldn't turn on anymore. And I have actually lost quite a few tools to my cement floors in my shop. I've had oh. multiple hand planes that have hit the floor and just snapped. Um, yeah, it's, it's been the bane of my existence in all honesty. But when, when I was Good working with you? the the Merca, the it had just gotten out of warranty. It was like a year and two months old. So I ended up sending it back to them to repair and it cost me about 50 bucks in shipping back and forth and somewhere around $110 to repair it. But a new one was like $600. I ended up buying a second one just to have a redundancy in the shop. So Mm -hmm. I wasn't down Mm -hmm. for however long it was going to take them. But once the old Mm -hmm. one came back, now I have two so that if I have somebody helping out in the shop, they can help me sand. Or I can have one that's, you know, with the project at the shop. And if I have to run out to do an installation, I have one that I can take with me. And I've been trying to create some of those redundancies wherever possible. But I can definitely say that overall, it was, it took a little bit of effort to work with our customer service, but it was still exponentially cheaper than buying a new one. Because I bought a new one again. And it just. Yeah. Is
1: this
2: a a six inch orbital?
0: Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's pretty epic. I will say.
1: Yeah, I don't know how I feel about the paddle shifter thing on top.
0: It's paddle shifter. Yeah, so basically you hold it from the top, and when you press your hand down, that's how it turns on. So mm. like you can hold it, it and not is it turn like it a on. safety
2: like on a lawnmower.
0: Kind like, of. Like, well, yeah, know? but that's that's the ignition switch for it. So like you're holding it, you know, like you'd grab a, a beer can from the top, and when you press down to start sanding, that's when it turns on. When you Lift your hand off.
2: Oh, done. see that that wouldn't flow with me because I have to hold my sander all over. Like I said, when I get sketchy, yeah, oh, I'm between so. your knees. Yeah, I'd, yeah, <laughs> I'd be lying about that, So, so I never. Done I mean, that. that's all. All but,
1: these, all these podcasts we listen to. I, everybody, it's either the Festool, the Rotex, and or the or the uh, the Merc- 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 Yep, that's. I mean, and I get it if you if. If I could go back in time, I mean, it's not that I, it's not that I can't afford to get one. It's just I just haven't you haven't pulled the trigger done it, and to, I just haven't done it. I haven't had enough to sand, honestly. Yeah,
0: it, yeah, but think of it this way, in a health perspective.
1: What do you use for dust collection?
0: So, I actually for mm-hmm. the dust collection on the Merca sander, I actually ponied up and got the the Festool uh, HEPA self cleaning shop vac. And when it says it's self-cleaning, oh. it, it's sucking everything up. It and every now and then you now. hear like, thump. And you're like, what was oh. that? It's yeah, yeah. it's stopping it so it like flips the, the, the filter. Stuff. So then it clears it all off. So it's a more efficient sander moving forward oh, uh, or a more efficient tool moving forward. It It is a game changer. The combination of the sander with the vacuum is a night and day to the point where I don't have to wear a sanding mask or a a vapor mask when I'm sanding anymore. I've been able to go into restaurants after they close at 10 o'clock at night and sand down 20 tables and restain them. And by the time I restain them, I can come back with lacquer and lacquer everything and they can open the restaurant in the afternoon. The smell of the lacquer has gone because I left the vents on in the kitchen and there was no dust collected anywhere, it is still completely food safe for them to be able to operate as a restaurant. Hmm.
2: Dave, that, that, that's a- Hashtag not sponsored. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, just stole the words out of my mouth.
0: Yeah. That's that, hard to believe, that and that's impressive. with the mesh. Yeah, but that's the kind of efficiency, and if you think of your health in general, I know when yeah. I've had to go back to, like when my my Merca broke before my new one came in, I had to go back to the old- uh, just palm orbital sander I had, and I would start sanding, and there was clouds everywhere. Oh
2: yeah, mm. instantly. Everything yeah, instantly. was covered in yeah, dust. Covered. Keep, keep blowing your piece. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And underneath my armpits. Yeah, it's everywhere. ridiculous. <laughs> and and if you think no the cost the of Hoxie's a Merca sander or a Festool or whatever it is, a high end uh, dustless sander costs you between five to seven hundred dollars. Think of how much it is if your lungs don't work or if you have to go to the hospital because you're having breathing issues, it's a no brainer. Like just, here's my, here's my thing with it. Okay. Here's my thing with it.
1: It's not that I, <clears throat> it's not that I have a problem with how much it costs. It's not that I don't think that it works. Mm-hmm. It's not that I, I mean the sandpaper as we just saw, is not even that it's not that expensive comparatively speaking. Cause you're not even changing. You know, Correct. I'd be changing two or three times in a project with the cheap stuff. It's, and maybe this sounds petty, that hose. I just feel like that hose. Now, I've had other vacuum. I've had other sanders with vacuums, and they worked pretty good. Now, we weren't perfect. Like like I had old big rigid ones. They quit selling them because they all broke. Like a six-inch, and it would just take off a lot off a table. And I had a dust. I had a a vacuum bag in it, and I had a, you know, like a whatever horsepower vacuum hooked to it. And that hose is just like in the way and it's dragging on the table and like, I want to get up and get on the edge and I can't because there's like this big, is it better with those? Is it more flexible? Yes,
0: it is very flexible for sure. It doesn't, once you get used to it, it doesn't get in the way. But if you look at like Dusty Lumberco, he actually has like a, an air, like a, uh, an attachment? Yeah. No, it's an attachment for his vacuum that keeps the oh, hose. Oh yeah, 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 boom arm. Yeah, yeah, he's got like a boom so then it you. yeah boom arm so that everything is coming from up top rather than dragging on the table from below. So there are things you can do, yeah. but well, also if you
2: wrap the hose around your shoulder. It's yeah. basically extension of your arm.
1: Oh, oh, you guys are making me miserable. It's like, you it's, like you got, oh, it's like you got it's like a, a snake trying to ch- take me down the whole just time I'm saying.
0: Think it. of yourself as Britney Spears with with oh. a boa constrictor wrapped oh, around yourself. Or,
1: or Madonna yeah. or somebody. Yeah, Stay yeah, yeah, yeah. For you. <laughs> well, I it, I feel it, like it, that it, it's the a, Sander that I did use it on it was just it was, you know, it's it's a vacuum hose. It's not a it's not a dust collection. It's a though. vacuum yeah. hose.
2: So it, it... It's not a dick. Like you don't have to be so afraid of it, man. You can. Uh, you can wrap
0: around. You. And on it that was... note, folks, we've actually hit an hour and fifteen minutes <laughs> That's a good point for us to wrap things up. So, so until fun, next man. time, thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed yourselves. So please feel free to subscribe oh. and stick around for the next episode. So from Jess, Colton, and Ross, have a great day.